Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Hey, welcome back to the Savage Nation podcast for today. Well, how would you like to join this exclusive club that I'm starting up now? It's dedicated to borders, language, and culture. You already listen to the Savage Nation podcast, and I really appreciate that. We're making a difference. Well, now there's a new offer I'm going to tell you about. After months of careful consideration and preparation, we've come up with a premium offering called the Savage Exclusive. What does it include? 100% commercial-free podcast, no ads. 26 years of the most requested Savage shows and portions of shows. The great monologues, the poems, the stories, the nutty callers, exclusive Savage soliloquies, and the Savage library of shows, some of which date back to 1994 on KSFO. You're not going to believe this. We're going to give you the most requested Savage shows of the past, such as The Death Poem, The First Savage Trump Interview, White Male Inventions, Apathy and Jazz, and many, many more. Plus, you're going to get fresh, original Michael Savage features you cannot hear on the basic podcast, such as a look behind the scenes of how we actually make a podcast, all of us talking with each other, readings from my novels and books, travels around my hometown, as I tell you what it's like to walk through San Francisco today, all of the above for less than the cost of one drink in a bar per month. So listen, if you still believe in borders, language, and culture as the guiding principles of this great nation, as I do, please consider joining the Savage Exclusive Club. Please know we will never dilute the basic podcast you get on your podcast service every week with my news, views, reviews, and special topics. If you did not join the Exclusive Club, you will still get the basic podcast absolutely free. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. 
There's lots more for me to tell you about. I'm going to give you a link right now. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. If you click on it, you're going to see a cartoon of me. Join Savage's exclusive club with the rate and you just click and you join. You're going to love it. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage Exclusive Club. Okay, let's look back together. Over a year ago on the show entitled The America We Know and Love Will Never Return, I made some predictions of what the nation would look like and the future of America. And I hope when you listen to this, you draw your own conclusions. In it, I say don't listen to those telling you the coronavirus is a hoax. I ask, can dating and religion survive? I said microbes, microbes do not discriminate. Even the religious can get COVID. Was I wrong? Well, let's listen. You decide. And here he is, Michael Savage. Well, here I am, Michael Savage. And we have two sides of the story. It's a tale of two viruses. On one side, we have the Fauci's who never held a job outside of government uh, acting as dictators of the economic collapse. The smiling moron Fauci who failed during the AIDS epidemic is now dictating when an economy should reopen. Then on the other side, we have uneducated talk show hosts who are encouraging millions of people to go out and get infected telling them that it's all a lie, it's all a hoax, uh, it's just a mild flu. It's crazy to me how most people are confused right now. Meanwhile, in the middle of all of this, oil has crashed. It has crashed, and the ramifications of the crash in the oil market are greater than you could imagine. And I'm going to talk today about what America might be like one year from now and five years from now. I think you can pretty much agree with me, even if you've disagreed with me your whole life, that America will never be the same. We will never find our way back to the Gilded Age, which, by the way, was nauseating to begin with. The gold-plated America is dead. It is over. The 14-carat phony America is dead forever. Will we ever find a way back to a middle ground? No. I'll tell you my view. It's rather dark. I know you don't want to hear it. I know most of you want to hear about false optimism. But, you know, I, I'm not that way to begin with. And I predict that we're going to be living in a sort of 1930s black and white grapes of wrath reality for the rest of your lives. That's if we're lucky. What might America be like a year from now or five years from now? Well, I can give you some hints. And it'll be more big government that will never go away. We'll never find a way back to heaven. And we can talk about the illness itself, how real it is, how devastating it is, and how we must reopen the economy anyway. But, you know, America is not a thinking nation. America is an extremist nation like most nations. People want easy answers to complicated problems. And so they then fall for the demagogues who lie to them and say things like, on the left, we need to be locked down forever. On the right, the lockdown is a fraud and a hoax. Reopen now. Somewhere in the middle, there's a middle ground, the Tao. The Tao of the middle ground, which is what I've been trying to argue for quite a while on this radio program. But I want to ask you again, 
do you think America will ever be the same? We know it won't. It can't be. Forget about economics. Alone, economically, the country can never be the same. Trump is bailing out everyone. Of course, not the little guy. The little guy didn't get bailed out. Only the big guys got bailed out. Now we read that uh, the guy who owns an airline wants a bailout. What's his name? Branson. Billionaire Branson begs for bailout top of the Drudge Report. Why should he get a bailout? Why should Branson get a bailout? Because he made a mistake and bought an airline. Well, why do we owe him anything? Why shouldn't he go broke? Who the hell is he? He's had a good run. He had a good run. He lived like a king. He lived better than most kings. That's true for everyone else in the corporate world who bet wrong, who got caught on the wrong side of this virus. No, the money should go to the little guy first and the big guy last, if at all. The little guy's getting nothing. The little guy's getting nothing. I know friends in the restaurant business who applied to the SBA. They've yet to see a dime. And they say that these restaurants will never reopen. The bars will never reopen, at least not the numbers that we are used to. Uh, There's a story out of Italy that, uh, you know, Italy is a nation of small cafes and bars and restaurants, which is what defines Italy, right? Uh, It's the same here in America. I live in a, a city of San Francisco, which aside from the deficits, is still one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. We don't have to now argue who did it, who did what. Small restaurants, cafes, bars, most of them will not reopen. They'll be broke forever. But what about housing? Let's talk about housing for a minute. You live in a nice, expensive condominium, put an X through it. It's toast. You live in a co-op with very, very powerful, important people like yourself, put an X through your co-op. Nobody wants it. People do not want to ride in those elevators. People do not want to ride in those elevators or share a common way, like a gym on the roof with a swimming pool. Put an X through the gym on the roof with a swimming pool. My prediction Suburban houses will go up in value, not down. Yes, suburban houses will become the new place to go to. People do not want to be around other people. And these expensive apartments in San Francisco, New York, you name it, will become, well, worth a lot less, won't they? Who's going to want one? Things will change forever. How will they change forever? Well, let's talk about romance and love. It will change forever. Will a man still seek a woman On a dating app, will a woman seek a man on a dating app after this is over and trust that she can have an intimate relationship with that individual? Why would she? Who would do that? Who in the world would ever want to kiss a stranger for years and years to come? I mean, really, let's be realistic. And this goes across the board, all sexualities, gay, straight, it doesn't matter. People are not going to want to take a chance on kissing or becoming intimate with a stranger ever again. In the long term, this could be good for marriage. In the long term, it could be the end of marriage. In the short term, it could be bad for marriage. In the long term, it could be good for marriage. We don't know where this will go. What about the nuclear family? Will people still trust being in the presence of their own mates and children? Will they fear their own parents? Will the grandparents become like lepers in the America that emerges? What exactly do you envision for this nation? Do you have a dark vision of America in the future, as I do? If you are a Pollyanna and thinks things will always be the same or go back to normal, you're living in a dream world. 
even when the lockdowns slowly end, and they will, no doubt sooner rather than later because of all the protests, people are going to get sick and some are going to die. And then you will have those again in the media who have lied to you and hoodwinked you and told you to go back to work and not worry. Not calling for what I've called for, a rolling reopening, a strategic reopening, a commonsensical reopening, an intelligent reopening, but open it all up because there are no consequences. There are no consequences whatsoever. And what about religion? Can organized religion survive after this epidemic? Have you seen what has happened with so many congregations? How about the pastor who uh, defied and died? Write that one down. Remember the one who said the hell with the government telling me not to have a church gathering? And he had one. He got sick and died. What about all those Orthodox Jews around America who refuse to comply with the stay-at-home orders, particularly those in Kiryat Joel in upstate New York, uh, those in Brooklyn, who said, God will help me. Baruch Hashem, God knows and God will save us. And so we'll continue to have funerals and weddings. We'll even go into those filthy cesspools called whatever they're called and have communal baths in the morning because the Torah says we should. And we'll continue to uh, breathe in each other's faces during a prayer session. What happened to them? Huge, huge spike in the disease. And in Israel, what has happened amongst the Orthodox community is well known. The highest incidence of the disease in Israel is amongst the ultra-religion, the ultra-religious, who thought again in their primitive way that just faith in God would be enough to protect them. How many years have I wrote to you that microbes do not discriminate? That's my line. I wrote that 30, 40 years ago. I don't know when I wrote it. I said, microbes do not discriminate. I wrote it in Maximum Immunity, published in 1983. No, microbes do not discriminate. They don't know whether you're an um, immoral drug dealer or an ultra-Orthodox Christian or Jew or Muslim. They do not care. Microbes do not care. They just don't discriminate. So can religion survive this? What will religion become? Will the churches ever be crowded again? Will anyone dare dance with their arm on their stranger uh, after a religious session in an Orthodox Jewish temple? I've done that. I would never do it again as long as I live. You think I'm going to put my arm on the next stranger and do a dance with them? Are you joking? I won't. So what will religion become? Will all of those who have had these religious lives switch to some kind of digital religion? Will all of the masses be online? Will all of the funerals become online and the weddings now become online? Do you understand that we are just in the beginning of this social revolution and we do not even know the long-term effects? We can only imagine them. I spent the weekend imagining them. I wrote them down and I see a very dark future. I know you don't want to hear it. I know you used to the cheerful Johnnies on radio who have read the book on how to win friends and influence people by giving you the malarkey about happiness and selling you on optimism. Well, there are times for optimism and there are times for pessimism. And then there are times like now for realism. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Masses of individuals been brainwashed by morons in the media. They were telling you it's a hoax to get Donald Trump. Uh, it's all a lie and that you should just go out and do whatever you want. And they are going to be responsible for the dead that follow. 
I've given you examples. The pastor who died from coronavirus after vowing to keep church open despite coronavirus lockdown. His name is Bishop Gerald Glenn. We're not celebrating it. We're just informing you. He died Saturday. The church announces death on Easter. He vowed to keep the church open. Prominent Virginia pastor told his congregation, I firmly believe that God is larger. Same with the Orthodox Jews. Again, too much faith in the unknown, too much faith in the invisible. And as I've said over and over again for many years, my book, Maximum Immunity, which was published long before many of you detractors were born, uh, covered the issue that microbes do not discriminate. So the age of the gold-plated America is over for good. I know you don't want to hear it. You want to hear good times are coming back. They're never coming back, not in your lifetime. You say, well, is that good or bad? And of course, it's bad for most of us. It's good for the earth. It's good for the animals, good for the forest, good for the trees, good for the air. I know you don't want to hear that either. You'll say, I'm a communist. No, I don't care what you say. It's called a correction. Nature corrected man's errant ways, as she has done through the ages. Epidemics are nothing new. They've wiped out nations before for various reasons. And I've tried to explain it to you, and it'll be uh, in another time, and I'll do that again. But what will America look like after the virus? Large corporations will gain vast market share. Small businesses will be wiped out. Man says to me, uh, he says, I never eat out at a chain restaurant because there are so many independent family-owned options. Many of the small restaurants will close, or the only ones who will remain will be the big chains. What about banks? Tell me what's going to happen with banks. What about Bill Gates and a medical arm of the deep state he's in bed with? What about them? What about the Enviro-Nazis? What about the Medicare for All crowd? I read that uh, hospitals are being driven out of business because elective surgeries and other money makers are, are canceled. This is an ast- astonishing observation that I uh, picked up on over the weekend. People are not going to the hospital even if they have a heart attack or a stroke, they're refusing to go for fear of dying from getting the, this virus and dying. So, for example, it says, why, uh, why are the hospitals going? What is, what's going on in the hospitals? People are not going in for elective surgeries of any kind. And that includes heart attacks. Like I told you, in December, I had a heart attack. I went to the hospital. They gave me a, a stent. If, God forbid, I had another heart attack, I would lay in. I wouldn't even go. I'd, you know, I would take what I have here. And I would do basically what people did through, through the history of time, and either I would survive it or I would die. I would not go into a cesspool of a hospital right now. And so um, we read what's going to happen. Hospitals, many of them will go out of business because the money makers are canceled. You don't know what a business medicine is. Do you know how much money a stent costs? What, $100,000, $200,000? That's why you heard about the $32 aspirin. How about the $100,000 stent? The man who did it was a genius. I'm glad I have it, but I had, you know, that's what they do. My father had a heart attack in the 50s. There was no stent. He was in Monticello, New York. He was at a bar with my mother. They were going out with their friends at a hotel, having his drinks. Went home, pain, hospital, oxygen tent. Basically, that's all they did. Nothing else. They told him to not use salt. That's all they did. They didn't know what to do. So a lot of people just died. And he lived another number of years, God bless him, and died of a second heart attack in a store. Rips your heart out to think about it. I mean, they could have saved him today. He felt the second one hit him. He crawled in the back of his store and died. I mean, I think about it. I wasn't in the city at the time. It just kills me. 
He never got to see his grandson, his granddaughter, nothing. But that's the way it was. We're going to go back to these primal, primal things that we thought we were through with. And uh, hospitals won't be there, many of them. Medicare for all. The universal basic income people are going to win. Oh, yeah, you, uh, all you conservatives. If I were to ask you what is a conservative, you say, oh, I believe in limited government. Oh, stop already with the small government talk. It's over. Just stop with the absurdity. Right? What about masks and test kits? Where are they? Well, where are the masks and test kits? You assume that the government was supposed to provide them for us. Well, okay. That's fine. I guess most people wouldn't have had masks on hand and a test kit for a virus they never heard of on hand. So that means that the government is going to have even more control over our lives in the very, very, very immediate future. The world that we know will not will never be the same. We know that already. Now, how about colleges? You think colleges will survive? Will colleges survive this? What about sporting events? What about restaurants? What about populists and nationalists like me? We're actually going to be the winners. We should become an isolationist nation. The borders have to be slammed shut. They're still pouring over the border. How about travel abroad? How about sending your daughter to a junior year in Italy? Uh, I don't think so. You're going to travel after this? You're going to travel through uh, the, the countryside of Spain? And what about the bailouts that you are so in favor of right now? Who's going to pay for this? Well, uh, why are we bailing out Branson's airline? Why did Ruth's Chris Steakhouse get $20 million while local restaurants that I know didn't get 20 cents? Why? You tell me why. Why? Because why? It's about you schmear off. That's what gets. Homeschooling is the big winner. Telemedicine will grow dramatically. The hatred and distrust of the media will go through the roof as it should. You've been lied to by the left wing media forever. That we know. That's a given. But through this epidemic, you have found that many of the voices that you trusted on the right were bigger liars than they were. On a subject they knew nothing about, they became experts. Here are people who never went to college who are now experts in epidemiology and medicine and virology, and you were listening to them. So you're not going to trust them anymore. That's going to change things. Look, I'm just giving you a thumbnail. I lay awake at night seeing this future, this future of America. Maybe you disagree with me. Good for you. Living a false optimism. Are they going to be huge winners? Yes. Oh, yeah. The short sellers are already the winners. The people are busting out the housing market who did it in 08 are doing it again. Oh, yeah. The very same Democrat billionaires who made their money by betting against your mortgage, who left you with nothing, are doing it again. They're going to bust you out again. Look, I, you know, it's hard to see so much without going blind, without getting a dizzy spell. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So what's going to happen? What's America going to look like a year from now, five years from now? I think we have some indicators already, and people are calling about it. Many of you are optimists. I love optimism, but I'm a realist. I haven't gotten to the worst part of my prediction because I've studied depressions before. And the way nations usually come out of depressions is through fill in the blank. It's a one word answer with three letters. It begins with a W and it ends with an R. 
the way we got out of uh, the depression of the 1930s was war. Now, maybe it was justified for sure in some cases, but that got us out of the war pretty, pretty quickly and led to the dictatorship of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We already see the war fever brewing in America. Everybody wants war with China, all of the desk jockeys. They want your son to go fight China. Not them, of course. Not those sitting in their mother's basement on Twitter. Um, but they want your, your son to go to war with China. Terrible thing. Awful. We don't need a nuclear exchange with China. I myself have called for reparations from China because I, we recognize, we've known this, everyone knows it who studied this, that the virus escaped from one of their labs by accident, not on purpose. We don't have to even argue over that. You look at many of the um, flus over the last uh, century, and you'll see many of them originate in Asia. Now, that's an interesting fact unto itself, by the way. Why do so many influenza varieties originate in Asia? Well, there's a, there's a reason for it then and now. Poor hygiene, high concentration of population. Now translate that to America. And look where the loci of infections are. New York, crowded, crowded. Los Angeles, crowded, crowded. Seattle, crowded, crowded. Chicago, crowded, crowded. But something else. What else is the something else? Sanctuary cities filled with illegal immigrants. Now you say, well, they didn't cause it. No, but many of them are, in fact, carriers. How do I know that? Because over 50% of the Guatemalans who were sent home tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, yeah. You won't hear that from um, Nancy Pelosi because uh, I, I haven't seen her wash the feet of illegal aliens recently. I know she was seen with her tubs of ice cream at her Pacific Heights mansion trying to lord it over all of you. Uh, but I haven't seen her offer to wash the feet of the, the feet of the sacred illegal alien. So this is one of the uh, things that's going to happen. I'm trying to predict what will happen over the next year to five years. Uh, in this country. And some of these things we could agree upon, some of these things perhaps disagree upon. But I want to have a conversation on this because it's not going to be the same. The country you knew six months ago is over. It's never coming back. First of all, the conservative movement died with the COVID. The, the COVID virus killed the conservative movement. It is dead. It's gone. We're all socialists now. If you're asking for a handout, I don't care how diehard you think you are as a conservative. You're now a socialist. Think about what I just said. You want a bailout. You're now a socialist. That's what socialist countries do. They bail you out. Now, there's a big difference between giving a person a fish and giving him a fishing rod. And I've told you before, I grew up in a poor immigrant household. My father himself told me that if it wasn't for the Works Progress Administration, the WPA, he wouldn't have had a job, and he probably would have, I don't know what he would have had to do to live, but he got a job, a small job as a driver for some local assemblyman, I don't know how, when he was a kid, in New York City, and that enabled him to feed himself during the Depression, meaning he was given a job, not a bailout. No one gave him cash. This kid, this poor kid, my dad, went to work as a driver, and he got paid, and he had dignity, and he made a living. Giving people a check is pure socialism. So you say, well, why can't the government give them jobs? Well, there are no jobs to be given because everything's closed down. Private sectors closed down. Public sectors closed down. So we have we have an unusual situation here. In those days, you could give him a job. I knew another man. I've written about him in some of my early books. 
one of my books about my childhood. I don't remember. Oh, A Savage Life. I think he was he was the gambler, the tough guy in the neighborhood. I told you about him. Everyone looked up to him and admired him because everybody likes a tough guy. Everybody, every man wants to defend himself. Every man wants to be tough enough to defend himself and or his family. Well, he was the tough guy. He was a street fighter in New York in the 30s, tough as nails, a boxer type, owned a bar. And um, he also had to be bailed out by the government, but they didn't give him money. He joined the CCC camps. And I was an 11-year-old or 12-year-old. We'd sit and listen to him tell us stories about life in a CCC camp, the Civilian Conservation Corps. And he told us how tough it was, how everyone fought with each other, like in the hard scrabble life that you may have read about. They didn't have a picnic together because they were all Americans. They fought for the king of the hill. Whoever was the toughest wound up on top of that hill. And uh, he came through that. And he went into the Merchant Marines and told stories about that. So I know what the difference is between a fishing rod and giving a man a fish. Right now, people are demanding fish, not fishing rods. Do you think that this dependency will end? So the emergence of the dependent citizen... And the benevolent government is upon us. It will, it will not change in the near future. I don't know how it's going to ever change. I don't know how people are going to get back to work. Now, I know many of you want everything reopened immediately. I don't. I know you want me to say, yes, go back, reopen everything. No, I don't. I want to be consistent. You reopen. You reopen where it makes sense. You reopen the counties in every state that have zero or low, low rates of the disease. You don't reopen the whole state because you're going to you're going to create too much disaster with illness. Now, I recognize if you're a radio doctor and you went to the ninth grade, it's easy to just say reopen everything and let the sick get sick. And I've heard that argument, you know, herd immunity. I keep hearing herd immunity. I've argued about this with people in my own family who are tremendous business people. They've argued for herd immunity. They say the whole thing was uh, really a mistake to close it all down. I don't agree with them at all. However, as we evaluate As we learn together, we realize the government has presented tremendous overreach. And we realize that the bigger the lockdown, the bigger the communist uh, governor. The bigger the maniac running the state, the bigger the lockdown, the longer the lockdown. Analyze it. The bigger the left-wing fanatic, the longer the lockdown, and the greater the poverty. Because they've never had so much power in their lives. They're drunk on their power. They've never, ever dreamed in their wildest years that in their lifetime, they could have this much power over everyone. So you get a nutty governor in Michigan, a left-wing fanatic like the others, who says it's okay to go out on the lakes uh, in Michigan in a sailboat, but not in a powerboat. Who gave her that power? Where'd she come up with that? What, she just decided you can close the gun stores? Why? She doesn't like guns? So we've already given up too many freedoms, and I understand why people are protesting. They're a thousand percent right. There's been overreach by these left-wing maniacs, and it has to stop. That doesn't mean open everything up all at once. And as I said to you, I've advised not only a governor, but a president to reopen on a staggered basis. I've been doing so for four straight weeks. So that brings us back to talk radio. Those of us who are blessed with the microphone in these times, and now we step into the coronavirus And although they went to the ninth grade or the 10th grade, now they're experts in medicine, virology, science, and they don't stop. It'd be one thing to have a radio show and say, you know, I don't really know that much about it. And another thing to get up there and bluster and make believe you know more about it than people who've studied these things for many years. On the other hand, you're very fortunate to have me. 
because I actually do have a PhD and I'm not going to hide it again just to make you feel good. You don't want me to mention my master's degree, my second master's degree, my PhD and my many books. Why don't you want me to mention it? Why must I hide that in a sea of bullcrap? Why must I hide my expertise? In 1983, I studied uh, epidemics. It was the height of the um, AIDS epidemic, and I became fascinated by the immune system. I studied as much as I could. I spoke to experts. I read everything I could in medical literature, in the sciences, and I wrote a popular book called Maximum Immunity, 1983. I'm not here to sell you a book. It's out of date in most cases, but I learned an awful lot about immunity and the immune system. It went into six, seven languages. I was very happy with the results of it. So now we are these many years later, and uh, this horrible thing occurs, this, uh, f- this, uh, this thing, this COVID-19 comes out of a lab in China, no doubt. The world is just knocked on its behind, and I get up every day saying, thank you, God, for permitting me to use my education and my knowledge to prevent people from getting sick and dying if I can That's really the whole purpose to it. I could have retired a while ago. I don't want to retire. I'm here for a reason. I've told you that. The reason is not to enrich myself. The reason is not to make myself feel better by just talking. I have a reason. And that reason is to help you understand the middle way. It's not either or. It's not either we stay locked down as the left-wing governors would have us stay locked down forever if they could. Or reopen yesterday as the protested would have it. There is a middle ground. Why must this nation be so polarized that we can't use common sense and realize that what Michael Savage has been calling for for weeks now, over six weeks, rolling reopenings. I told you I looked at the, the states and found the counties that had zero or none of the COVID. I said to the governor, open them. He wouldn't open them because he's real happy with the situation right now. He loves the power over everyone on a little fishing boat. And here we are. But how will the country look like? What will it look like a year from now, five years from now? I've given you a thumbnail sketch, and I've told you that uh, I see a 1930s Grapes of Wrath-like black and white movie emerging in this country. That grimness, that grimness will be America. It will not be a technicolor America after this. Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck are dead. Walt Disney fantasies are over. It will be a different world. In some cases, a better world, a more sober world, a more family-oriented world, a more God-oriented world, a more self-reliant world. In some cases, that's what will be. Unfortunately for the masses, they will be like the sheeple they have always been. Ba ba ba. All they want is their hand out and their mouths open for the government to give them something for nothing. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Before the devil knows you're dead, it's an Irish folkloric saying. It says, get yourself into heaven 30 minutes before the devil knows you're dead. It, it has some meaning with regard to this epidemic because the nations that we're in right now is going to hell. And I don't know that we can ever get back to heaven. I absolutely see a turn towards authoritarianism, if not totalitarianism. I totally see a reorientation of our political system. I totally see a, a not only socialism, which is here already. I mean, what do you think the bailouts are? I don't care who signs them, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. It's a bailout. It's socialism. That's what it is. 
It's not a job. It's not a fishing rod. It's a fish. That's socialism. Everything you've been afraid of happening has happened. Only we're in the, the early phases, and most of us don't know it because we're, we're still in the phase of what's this about? Is it really as bad? Am I being lied to? Did we just get hoodwinked? Is it a hoax like the unwashed morons in the, in the media telling us? Well, you know, do what you want. But the uh, fact of the matter is we're moving towards authoritarianism, if not totalitarianism. It's happened before. And I believe that the government, which has certainly grown bigger, will get bigger yet. You're never going to see limited government again. Never. That whole mantra of small limited government as defining a conservative is over. You'll never see it in your lifetime again. Less individualism, not more. People will be more herd-like. The coronavirus pandemic marks the end of our self-reliance. And the people are going to want the government to take more care of them. You want masks, don't you? Well, you can't you walk around with a bandana now in a supermarket. Think that you're abandoned in a Mexican mafia movie. I go shopping for, for, uh, for bread. I think half the people are in there to hold the, the, the market up. So I have an N95 mask. I almost choked to death in a damn thing. Half the time that I'm wearing it, buying a piece of fish, I have to lift the mask up to, to avoid fainting. Because you're breathing in your own carbon dioxide. But the Dr. Slouchy hasn't told you that yet. He hasn't figured that out because he doesn't wear one. How come Slouchy doesn't wear a mask when he, when he uh, fuses his hot air about things he knows nothing about, like the economy? Slouchy's the biggest failure in the history of this country in, in medicine. Slouchy, who the left loves, failed us during the AIDS epidemic by lying and not doing the right thing. Now, Slouchy, who's never held a private sector job, never produced a service or a product that anyone ever needed, is telling us never to go back to work again until he gives us the green light. You hear this? But he's not the reason I'm angry. He works for who? He works for Donald Trump. Why is Trump letting Slouchy take control of the economy like this? This is the question you have to ask yourself. Why has Slouchy been given so much power? Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. We have an incredible interview with Joel Pollack of Breitbart, where we talked about the election in Israel, which was a cataclysm. And I'm going to play an interview that I recorded with Mr. Pollack to talk about what to expect in the Middle East. Let's listen. Joel Pollack is an important man and not a joke. He's a senior editor at Breitbart News. He's the host of the Breitbart News Sunday on Sirius XM Patriot. On Sunday evenings from 7 to 10 p.m., he has a new novel called, is it Jobert Park? Uh, it's called Joubert Park. It's, it's Sorry, Joubert yeah. Park. Now, wait a yeah, minute. It's, it's okay. not J-E-W Baird. It's J-O-U-B-E-R-T Park. Story of a Jewish family in South Africa at the dawn of the apartheid era. His recent book, Red November, recounts the 2020 Democratic presidential primary from a conservative perspective Mr. Pollack is a winner of the 2018 Robert Novak Journalism Alumni Fellowship, and he joins us now on the Michael Savage podcast to talk about the biggest news. It's like a cataclysm, which is the deposition or the deposing, really, rather, of King David Netanyahu. I consider him like King David in a way and replacing him with Mr. Naftali, who put together or cobbled together a weird coalition of Arabs and leftists, communists. How is this going to work out for America, Joel? That's what most people are interested in. How does it affect us? Well, it doesn't really affect us directly. The main driver of this change actually was the United States. 
and the change in administrations where Biden is going for a new nuclear deal with Iran. Uh oh. And he's also projecting weakness across the region. So if you want to take the 30,000 foot view of all of this, in a way, Israel is reshuffling its strategy. Israel is basically saying maybe we need a different approach to deal with the Biden administration. Hmm. But the when you when you Joel, when you say different, you mean a, a more dovish approach toward Iran? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I watched or listened in on the Knesset speeches when they had the vote over the new government, and it, it helps that I can understand Hebrew, so I could hear what they were saying and understand what they were saying. And there was a debate going on about how to approach the Biden administration. And Naftali Bennett, the new prime minister, said, well, we're going to stand up against the Iran deal. But his foreign minister, this guy, Yair Lapid, who actually holds the levers of power inside the administration, he's the power behind that. From TV anchor to coalition architect, Mr. Lapid. Yeah, I, he only won 17 seats in the election versus Netanyahu, who won 30. But Lapid is the largest party. His party, Yeshatid, which means there's a future. His party is the largest in this new little coalition. So he actually pulls all the levers. The prime minister, Naftali Bennett, is more of a figurehead. Oh. So Lapid had said years ago that he did not think Israel should publicly oppose the Iran deal, that Israel should oppose it quietly behind closed doors. And... Mm. Netanyahu got up on Sunday and said, this new government is promising to oppose the Iran deal, but they're not going to do it. They're going to break that promise like they broke all the other promises they made. And they're not going to oppose the Iran deal. Whereas I did oppose the Iran deal. I would oppose the Iran deal. Jews learned the hard way during the Holocaust about how well quiet diplomacy works. Mm -hmm. FDR did not listen to quiet diplomacy from the Jewish community when they wanted him to intervene. And he said, now that we have a state, we're not going to be quiet. We shouldn't be quiet. And so he called the new government dangerous. He said he's going to do everything he can to topple. Who, who, who said that? Uh, Netanyahu. Netanyahu is going to work against the new government. Okay. Yes, yes. And he sees it as an, as an existential threat because you've got Biden offering to go back into a nuclear deal with Iran, lifting all the sanctions for basically nothing in return. Iran already saying it's close to 60% enrichment towards a nuclear weapon. So it's Obama too, race towards a nuclear weapon. That's right. And it's not clear what the United States is getting out of this at all. So Israel is basically reacting to the change in American administrations. It, it's not going to change American policy. If anything, it's just going to keep Israel in a kind of holding pattern until Biden figures out which way he wants to go. But the real concern is that what's driving the policy and political changes in Israel is our instability here in the United States and, and the fecklessness, really, of our foreign policy. Ah, now, that's that's the key point, because but Biden is seen as a wobbler, a wobbly kind of president, whether it's him running the country directly or as a figure. It doesn't really matter. We know that the Democrat Party today is far, far left. Some would say socialist. Some would say even communist in some parts. And we don't have to argue that right now. And I think most of them could give a damn less about Israel as far as what I can tell. What do you think? Yeah, they really don't see it as important as, as they once did. Uh, but more than that, they see Israel as an obstacle to their notions of some kind of a grand bargain with Iran. Mm. Trump believes... Why do, why do they need yeah. a grand bargain with a theocracy run by 11th century mullahs who believe in, in Armageddon in order to bring back the new Mehdi or whatever? Why would they want to do business with them? 
because they're not concerned about the nature of the regime. They are primarily driven by their view of America, and they view America as a negative force in the world. They view no, America no, no. As, I mean the Democrats, Joel. Yeah, yeah, no. The Dem- oh, Democrats. you mean the Americans view America as a yeah, negative force? The, the Americans, <laughs> the Americans running America right now, the Democrats view the United States as a negative force, and therefore we can't do any good. So the best we can do for ourselves is let the Iranians run the region because they're the strongest. Oh my God! In the region, so this is the but idea. They're, cra- them- they're crazy. They're 12th century f- religious nuts who want to bring about a Holocaust to wipe out the world to bring back their 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 their, their Messiah. So right. I have to ask you. Look, you yeah. know the players better than I do. I'm reading. Lapid was a newspaper columnist, written a lot of books, presenter on Channel Two TV, where he became a star. He's an amateur boxer and martial artist. I would think that Lapid would be a tough guy, but apparently what I'm hearing is he isn't in terms of politics. He's also sort of a centrist leftist, yes? He reminds me of a lot of politicians I've met over the years who think they can get somewhere by being nice. And then the moment they're in the political arena and they see the degree of opposition and hostility to the United States, to Israel, then all of a sudden they become tough. So he's got some toughness in him. He's got some tough character traits, but... He's walking into this situation not really understanding the forces that are arrayed against America, that are arrayed against Israel. I don't think they understand the degree of danger they're in with this anti-American and anti-Israel faction in the Democratic Party. They think they can appease it. They can win it over. It's not going to be easy. Well, with uh, Ilhan Omar and occasional Cortex and the other psychos in the squid, they want Israel gone. They'd like America dismembered and broken up. Uh, and and even worse than that. And this guy is in the G7 meeting, wandering around licking ice cream cones, not knowing what's going on. I mean, we can mock him all we want, but he reminds me of a Neville Chamberlain right now. Biden looks like a, a almost a Neville Chamberlain-like figure. It's like, oh yeah, whatever you want, let's let's do a deal, let's make peace, peace that is at hand, better than war, and we can all get along. If we only join you, there'll be no fighting. I think that's the attitude, Joel. What do you think? Yeah, Biden's hoping just to go along, get along. You know, Trump went to the G7 and to all these international meetings, and he upset everybody because <laughs> he, he asserted American interests and he called <laughs> out he called out all the hypocrisy on the other side. He called out the Europeans for being soft on China. He called out NATO for taking our money and not living up to their commitments. So he, he upset everybody because he told the truth. Biden is making everybody feel warm and fuzzy again because he's willing to go along with the status quo. He's not going to rock the boat on China. He's giving everything away to Russia after claiming that Trump was a puppet of Vladimir Putin. Biden's yeah. giving away everything. So uh, that's that's where we are. We're speaking with Joel Pollack, senior editor at large at Breitbart News, host of Breitbart News Sunday on Sirius XM Patriot on Sunday evenings. And I know that you're on a hard time break here, Joel. You probably have another interview in exactly one minute. Any parting thoughts on the new relationship with Israel, if any, under the new leadership? I think Israel is going to do whatever they need to do. And they may try to appease this Biden administration. But when that fails, they're going to fall back on Netanyahu's policies. Or he'll topple the government and he'll come back leading the opposition and winning the next election. But but there's no way to get around the Biden strategy. It's a strategy of failure for the United States and for Israel. And the only question is how much damage gets done along the way. Mm. 
Joel Pollack's a great writer, and I really recommend everyone listening to the Michael Savage podcast. Go on to Breitbart and check out his columns, as I do every day. Joel, good luck with your work, with your radio show, and I hope you can be back with us very shortly on the podcast. Thank you so much, Mike. I know many of you have requested an ad-free version of the Savage Nation podcast. Well, how would you like to join this exclusive club that I'm starting up now? It's dedicated to borders, language, and culture. You already listen to the Savage Nation podcast, and I really appreciate that. We're making a difference. Well, now there's a new offer I'm going to tell you about. After months of careful consideration and preparation, we've come up with a premium offering called the Savage Exclusive. What does it include? 100% commercial-free podcast, no ads. 26 years of the most requested Savage shows and portions of shows. The great monologues, the poems, the stories, the nutty callers, exclusive Savage soliloquies, and the Savage library of shows, some of which date back to 1994 on KSFO. You're not going to believe this. We're going to give you the most requested Savage shows of the past, such as The Death Poem, The First Savage Trump Interview, White Male Inventions, Apathy and Jazz, and many, many more. Plus, you're going to get fresh, original Michael Savage features you cannot hear on the basic podcast, such as a look behind the scenes of how we actually make a podcast, all of us talking with each other, readings from my novels and books, travels around my hometown, as I tell you what it's like to walk through San Francisco today, all of the above for less than the cost of one drink in a bar per month. So listen, if you still believe in borders, language, and culture as the guiding principles of this great nation, as I do, please consider joining the Savage Exclusive Club. Please know we will never dilute the basic podcast you get on your podcast service every week with my news, views, reviews, and special topics. If you did not join the Exclusive Club, you will still get the basic podcast absolutely free. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. There's lots more for me to tell you about. I'm going to give you a link right now. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. Glow.fm slash savage premium. If you click on it, you're going to see a cartoon of me. Join Savages Exclusive Club with the rate. And you just click and you join. You're going to love it. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage Exclusive Club. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.